Alright, hello and good evening everyone. This is Kevin Finkel. Welcome to the 12th... Ooh. <laughs> I gotta keep remembering to update that. I've, I've been copying that over from the previous... Come <laughs> on! Oh my gosh. <laughs> Number 13. Amateur wow. hours. Alright, good evening everyone. This is Kevin Finkel. Welcome to the 13th episode of Magic the Final Frontier. In this podcast we discuss the Frontier format, keeping our listeners up to date with what is new, powerful, and interesting in the world of Frontier. And I'm Kevin Handlin. I host the Untap Open League, and I grind Frontier on the internet. So it's just the two of us today. If you missed our announcement last week, Matt Murday, our spike from Toronto, will be in and out as he focuses on work first. He'll try and be here whenever he can, and we'll be looking at more guests to fill his place. We'll also have a set release schedule, so you can uh, expect our podcast to drop every Monday evening, Eastern Time. Kevin, you got any ideas for uh, guests that we can bring in in the future? Actually, I do have ideas for guests to bring on in the future. Um, so if they are willing to join us, the X-Mage League is starting back up. Ooh. So Okay, so if you're not a big fan of the couple of free online ways that we've been playing right now, there's, you know, there's Cockatrice out there, there's the Untap, which is another uh, free way to play online, and a good way to find Frontier players. Oh, yeah. And then there's X-Mage. Which Mm -hmm. is more... It's as close as you can get to Mitgo or Moto, um, which is the official Magic Online client in a free alternative client. So it's got rules enforcement, very strict rules enforcement, actually. And the turn phases are all lined out for you. You can put stops on upkeep and everything like that. in my opinion, it's it's a little clunkier than I would prefer, but that's just a personal playstyle thing. I prefer things to be as close to paper as possible. Um, and, yeah, uh, so the first online Frontier League was actually hosted on X-Mage, and that same league is back, or coming back at least. And so Moosey, uh, sorry, Katie Hansaker, also known as Moosey, uh, is a member of Team Blue Black, which is my testing group, and she is going to be hosting alongside our mutual friend Alvaro Castro. Hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, it would be great to have either of them on the show. I know that uh, Moose has also placed. Was she? Did she win the second? I know she was like top two, top four in the Untap League. Let me try and remember exactly where. She was top four. Top four for right. sure. Yeah, she beat me in top eight and then lost. In oh top yeah, there four. you go. In our strictly blue-black side of the bracket. <laughs> oh, see, I could have had the perfect run if uh, if the blue-black had won in quarters, then I could have gone played against three blue-black decks on the way up to the top. That would have been great. Yeah, I would have preferred not to play against Abzan in oh, yeah. <laughs> my top eight match in quarterfinals. That would that was just so brutal. I tried to keep I tried to keep Katie down for the entire tournament just because she was the one, the only player on Abzan in that entire tournament. And I was like, as long as I can keep her off me, you know, like, it's going to be a great tournament. And I did for Swiss. And then we got to top eight. (laughs) Man, we're getting off track already. Do we want to go and tell Matt that he's the one who was keeping us on track? I don't think that sounds right, does it? No, definitely not. I mean, yeah, he's going to be missed, but I think having three voices is definitely, uh, you know, we cover a lot more more quickly. Yeah, certainly. 
So. All right, so the one big topic that we really wanted to talk about today is we wanted to go into a little bit of a series talking about the individual colors in Frontier. So the one we wanted to start with, you know, Wooburg Order, we're going to talk a little bit about white, what some of the strengths and weaknesses of white are, what some of the key white cards are, some of the sideboard cards that white has access to, um, really just why you should be playing or not playing white. And then we'll kind of go through the different colors when we find downtime between major tournaments, between things like set releases, you know, just as kind of our usual release. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who are unfamiliar with Wooburg, it's basically an acronym for the five colors in Magic, and it's outlined in the order that they appear in Oracle for a five-color card. And it actually reads out all right, so W for white, U for blue, B for black, R for red, and G for green, so Wooburg. Although Frontier players might be a bit confused because Cons of Tarkir did not follow Wooburg order for everything. Right, because it was wedges. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's that's how they would typically show up. And I do not think, correct me if I'm wrong, I do not think that Cons of Tarkir had any five-color cards. Um, no. Yeah. It did not that I can think of. I know that M15 technically did. Yeah. So I think that if the cards had shown up, if there had been a five-color card, I think the last time we saw one was Chromanticore in Theros. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm trying to remember if the Sliver Queen is just a five-color activation. No, Sliver Queen is a five-color card. Yeah. Is that the one that's in M15? Yeah, then... <laughs> that was our last one. All right, I All right, stand yeah. corrected. Yeah, so M15 had Sliver Queen. Cool. Anyway, we are getting so far off topic. We're here to talk about white. <laughs> Once again. Um, so, Kevin, I have my list of things that white does, and you have your list, and we can talk about uh, strengths and weaknesses as we go through this. Um, if it's all right, I'd like to start. Oh, absolutely. Cool. So, one of the things that white has always and forever been known for is creature efficiency. So, that means, basically... It's very, very good at producing cheap, impactful creatures in the early game. Mm -hmm. And the classic example of this, this that's actually not in Frontier is Isamaru, the 2-2 two, two for 1. See, I think further back, I think Savannah Lions to the 2-1 for 1. Yeah, that's another great example. Oh man, Savannah Lions. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, so the... The way that that manifests in Frontier most often is in the human tribe. Um, our take on white weenie in this format is very much human-driven. So mm -hmm. uh, you could pretty much limit it down to humans. However, with vampires coming out recently, we might see some sort of vampire deck emerge, and that is also a fairly formidable white weenie strategy. Yeah, I mean, we've got something like four two-ones for one in white. Is yeah. that right, or do we only have three? No, no, we do have four. There's Woe Reaper, there's Kithion. Uh, th if you want to count Thraven Inspector, that's a 1-2, which is still... Yeah, I wasn't... <laughs> that's still above kind of parity stats, but... Dragon Hunter, and Dragon then the, uh, one, the one that's yeah. an ally. Um, the is, Expedition, Expedition... Yeah, which is just vanilla otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, loads of really good one-drops. I personally am a, am a huge fan of Mardu, Woe Reaper, and Kithion, because they have mm -hmm. such massive impact. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I would say that is definitely one of the first things that you should consider running white for is early-game creatures. 
And while we're not just talking about the White Weenies deck, there's also, I think that the um, the Gossip Monger is great, another one drop that, you know, it's a 2-3 for one, really, as well as the nice 3-2 first strike for one in Toolcraft Exemplar, in a oh, slightly yeah. different strategy. Yeah, most definitely. And then, as you work your way up, the creatures don't lose impact. So all the way up to the 5-drop slot, there's some amazing, amazing creatures in white. It's one of the two biggest creature uh, colors, the other one being green, and we'll talk about that. Do we want to continue, run up uh, run up the scale here a little bit with some 2-drops, 3-drops, 4-drops, etc.? Yeah, we can we can name a couple. Um, I'll pick yeah, one I don't want to go every one. single one, but yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, cool. So for my two drop, I would say um, Glory Bound Initiate. Oh, that was literally the one I was going to name. <laughs> that is such a big card right now. Yeah, it's the three one that can become a four four life link when it exerts itself on attack. Yeah, absolutely, and it pairs well with so many different things. It's amazing with Dramoka's command. It's really, really good with um, Always Watching, the mm-hmm. Vigilance Anthem. Uh, so, yeah, Glory Band Initiate's such a beating. Do you want me to take one more since you... Uh, uh, sure, I'll one? keep thinking for a second. I mean, I was going to say, we could definitely say Thalia's uh, Lieutenants. Thalia's Lieutenants a huge one. Um, but I was actually going to say, you'll appreciate this, because I'm not just sticking to my own <laughs> strategy that I really, really like. Um, I would say another example of a great two-drop in white is Knight of the White Orchid. Oh yeah, I mean that is in that is in humans, but probably not your three or four color humans. Right, definitely not. We try to avoid double pips in three and four color humans. So, Nerd of the White Orchid is awesome. It's a ramp effect in white. That's kind of a color diversion. Typically, that's something that you would be able to do in green. White's take on it is that it's doing it to balance things out um, because white is so typically the color of order and fairness and balance. So. All right, and then moving up to three drops is where we start to get, I mean, more stuff. It, it, as you're playing in Frontier, it does get harder to play three drops, four drops, five drops, but we certainly see them. I think the one that both of us probably have in mind more than anything else is Thalia, the 3-2 Heretic Cathar. Oh, yeah. She's so good. Gosh, you want to talk about balance. Like, if, <laughs> if there's a way to come back from behind and really lock out your opponent in the late game, like... Thalia is the closest thing we have to a prison effect in Frontier, and she really locks down. She time walks you sometimes, you know? Yeah, I don't know if coming from behind as much as what I would say is she stops you from getting back from behind. Okay. She, she's more of that tempo, yeah. Yeah, she she stops you from falling behind. So do we want to talk about multicolor cards here? Because when I think about white three drops, kind of the other two that really come to mind Reflector are Reflector Mage, Mage and yeah. Spell Queller. Uh, I think we should hold off on multicolor. We can have a separate episode on multicolor cards. Um, okay, then what are some other uh, purely white three drops that you kind of think of as popular in Frontier, maybe in multiple strategies? I'm, I'm pulling here. I'm pulling. Uh, <laughs> so there's... Are we... I think we can count Planeswalkers. Uh, and I would say that Gideon of the Trials is one to think about. Okay. And Hushwing Griff. Ooh, yeah, Hushwing Griff. So Hush- Although I'm sure we'll touch on Hushwing Griff a little bit in uh, sideboard cards. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But uh, actually, so the thing that put an end to the Sahili Summer was hmm. the four main board Hushwing Griffs that Abzan started running, in my opinion. 
and also the the reemergence of a darker red. So I yeah, that's probably an easy argument. Yeah, e like, either that or or it was the control decks. That that's the other part that I think that Matt is always going to say is that you know the control decks now have an answer to something like a Gideon. It's not a uh, a, a steamroll anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah, Vraska's contempt, but that wasn't what ended the Sahili summer necessarily. Like yeah, yeah, that that definitely has kept Sahili out of um, top cut for a little while for sure. But um, yeah, I think I think right now like all the decks have an answer to Sahili, and Abzan's big answers are Thalia and Hushwing Griff. So I think that pretty well covers three drops. In the four drop slot, it gets to be the question of can you even run four drops that are better than Gideon? No, because Gideon Alive <laughs> Zendikar so just good. does so much. Yeah, and then that's really actually what's keeping White in some ways down is that there's a lot of cards I'd like to be playing in White, but not every card exactly synergizes in a deck that playing that's playing Gideon. I mean, Gideon's is usually just good on its own, but. Yeah, I don't it's know hard how to much play something like uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gideon is the oh this resolved, I'll just win the game now kind of card. <laughs> Let me just you you stand back there, I'm just gonna really quick just win the game. Like Oh man. And and he'll come up again in uh, another thing I want to talk about that White's really good at. But Okay, okay. Yeah, so Gideon is one. The other one I would mention is Archangel of Tithes. Yeah, that's probably the other one I would mention. That's kind of in a more specific creature deck. And also, it's, who could forget Belladar Guardian? Yeah, we can definitely count that. It's uh, part of a combo deck. Yeah. I mean, the white in the Sahili decks usually isn't so much a primary color. I mean, maybe you're getting things like the um, Renegade Rallier, but it's not as much. You're, you're not all your interaction isn't in. There. Oh no, absolutely not. Actually, I would disagree with you <coughs> because. There are two different takes that you can have in your Sahili deck. Oh, there are a lot more than two different takes. Don't get me started on some of the weird flavors of Sahili I've tried. Okay, so <laughs> here's what I'm going to say. There are two different takes you can take on your Sahili deck. All right? You can be okay. an aggressive Sahili deck, or you can be a controlling Sahili deck. All right? So whether, okay. whether you're more leaning towards ag aggression or more leaning towards control... And any sort of weird, janky, finkly strategy that you're running <laughs> in addition to that, you're either going to lean more towards being more aggressive or more towards being more controlling. Oketra's Monument. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess that's one option. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's my jank. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you're a more controlling Sahili list, then you're often going to be running mainboard Fumigates. Okay, yeah, that's true. Fumigate. And we'll talk about that in a little while. But... Um, I mean, if you're leaning on your Gideons and your Fumigates and your Felidar Guardians, your Reflector Mages, your Renegade Ralliers, um, all of those are pretty important white cards. Granted, mm -hmm. white splashy cards, but white cards. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's the, those are all of my picks for the 4-drop slot, and then I think we can agree on what the best white 5-drop is. So, yeah, I think that there's a couple cards that see play other than the one that we're going to name, but yeah, um, you want to go ahead? I'm going to let you take it. Oh, sure. Uh, Archangel Avacyn is really the one that we're thinking of as kind of the gold standard. It just does so much. The mm -hmm. card <laughs> the card was not balanced with um, fairness in mind. It just does so many things that it shouldn't. And it's great. There are other white cards that see play. I do see 
the um, Wingmate Rock is a little bit more of an aggressive option yes. than Wingmate Rock uh, occasionally comes back. Avison is. I like Thalia's Lancers <laughs> maybe in a couple decks. You know, it's one of those weird fun cards that I kind of a pet card right now. Yeah. Are you testing Gatewatch decks? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, not not deploy the Gatewatch. I think that that specifically card's still... just talking about Super Friends. Yeah, Super Friends kind of decks. Mm-hmm. We we had been big on like a white red almost deck with that. I mean, it pulls a lot of good cards. It pulls Emrakul, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah. So you know, as long as we're talking about non, we we kind of moved from talking about just creatures to also non creatures. The one thing that I think we skipped over at one is Legion's Landing. Yeah. That's starting to see some emergence. I think everyone's trying to find a shell for it just because it is really, really powerful in the Abzan tokens mm-hmm. list and Esper tokens lists in uh, in Standard. And, yeah, I've seen it attempted in multiple Jeskai Ascendancy lists. Okay. And I've seen people try it... Well, I've seen Ryan Schwinky use it <laughs> to great effect. He's kind of like our tokens master in frontier at least that's that's how i view him because he's really really good at that strategy he's done pretty well with me against me with it so um but yeah so um that actually brings up the next category that i wanted to bring up in white so i'm really glad that we're just sort of moving on to that unless you had any six seven or eight drops that you wanted to talk about in white hmm unless we want to talk about brisella again yeah, we don't have to I talk about I can't think of much. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about uh, over, Overwhelming Splendor? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on. All right, cool. So another thing that white is classically great at, in fact, it's the best color for this period, for this permanent type, is enchantments. So creating enchantments that seriously affect the board is something that if you want to be in an Enchantress deck, whether it's in Modern or in EDH or in Frontier or Standard, you're typically going to be starting with white. And um, we have so many good enchantments in Frontier, but... I, I want to see where you're going with this. Okay. I, I think that, yeah, I've got some, I've got comments, but keep going. Cool. Um, the, the thing that I like white's enchantments for the most in, in Frontier is flash speed non-instant removal. So Sure. Sure. You've got your stasis snare. You've got your cast out. Um, those are the effects that I think of when I think of enchantments in Frontier. Same. Hmm. So where I think of enchantments in Frontier as being great is that they offer a lot of grindy ways to beat against the control decks, specifically oh, yeah. against blue-black decks. Yeah. So when I think of great enchantments in Frontier, my mind goes more to something like the Fevered Visions... The um the green shaper sanctuary some of those sticky mm-hmm. cards that are gonna net you a lot of card advantage over the game, and yeah. that's why it's advantageous to be an enchantment rather than just the fact that yeah white has some strong cards they happen to be enchantments. If it was a, an instant that exiled a permanent instead, it would be no real different as far as how the game plays. Right, absolutely. Um, we also have a couple of ways to um. Sorry, I don't. I think there's only one. Can you think of any other anthem effects other than always watching that are on an enchantment in Frontier? I mean, there's the uh, what is the Sands one from Cons of Tarkir that gives you vigilance and can block two creatures. Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think that's really playable. There's the uh, the five drop that searches for a Gideon. Yeah. 
Okay. I, I've played that in Gideon Tribal because I'm jank. Uh-huh. Yeah, the one from the Planeswalker deck? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't usually look at stuff in those lists, but... Uh... <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah, those are really <laughs> the only static ones, I think. Um, yeah. And then the... One of the decks that was really popular back in the beginning of the format that really dropped off because some of some of the beginning decks really came out ahead uh, was Bant Starfield. So, sorry, go ahead. I can certainly talk about that deck. No, I was going to say, if you want to talk Bant Starfield, I mean, that's a very specific list. I wouldn't count that so much when we're just talking about white as a whole. But that actually deck, that deck I'm interested in right now, I think there's some powerful things that it's gotten recently in the last few sets that have made it stronger. Okay, well, since we're on the subject of enchantments and it's going to take us a while to come back around to this subject, uh, <laughs> sure. go ahead. Um, I think that the cycling enchantments helps a lot. The fact that you can cycle a cast out and have it available in your graveyard to bring back with the uh, the Starfield of Nyx, yeah. that was kind of one of the weaknesses of the problem is having cards in your graveyard that you can bring back. So we, in addition to that... Um, I like Lay Claim in the deck. I like um, Search for Ascanta is another new one that helps oh, quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, that's deck. really really great. Actually, I like that. In fact, um, you can pretty easily get. So, just to just to illuminate those who aren't familiar with Bant Starfield, the finisher, as it were, for this deck is a card called Starfield of Nyx, which basically says that you can play cards if correct me at any point if i'm wrong you can play enchantment cards from like one enchantment card from your graveyard every turn it uh it brings it back to your upkeep you don't even pay the cost for it oh okay so you get an enchantment from your graveyard on your upkeep and all of your enchantments are creatures with power and toughness equal to their converted mana cost uh all non-aura enchantments yes and only if you have five or more in play and it doesn't include itself. Sorry. <laughs> All of those specifications, yes. But essentially that's what it does. And uh, so yeah, so Starfield of Nyx is... It would make great use out of enchantments that send themselves to the graveyard. And as I was about to say, I think that growing right, rights of Itlamok, um, hmm. if you've either like put it in your graveyard and can bring it back... Or if you can play it the turn after you have turned all your enchantments into creatures... Um, would be a serious beating because in a lot of the really great enchantments can end up being a little pricey. So, yeah. Okay, that's a, a nice off topic. Why don't I bring us back with what well, we talked a little bit about what white strengths are as far as cheap creatures. You mentioned another in enchantments. I don't know if you had any more to go into. I have a lot. But I, okay, well, <laughs> I, I just wanted to touch on. Let's start talking about some of the weaknesses of white. Sure. And we've already sort of touched on one a little bit. <coughs> is that I don't love White's removal options in Frontier. I think that Declaration in Stone was a great card when it was in Standard, and then it stopped being a great card when Smuggler's Copter came out, and it couldn't reliably hit that. Um, It became even worse when Felidar Guardian Cat Combo was around, and you couldn't stop that and its speed. And as far as their other removal options, they tend to then be, you know, three or four mana with uh, Stasis Snare cast out. I'm going to get in your way a little bit here. Okay, yeah. So I will say that I actually listed something related to this as one of White's strengths. So, And that's probably the exile portion of it, I'm guessing? Um, so there is exile as part of it. Specifically, White has a 
brand of removal that it's good at. And mm-hmm. at the cost of being efficient and instant speed, you can remove any permanent type with white. Yes. So, yes, that's definitely white. That That's a strength of white. And on the other side of that, I see their, um, their lack of instant speed and cheap removal is a bit of a weakness. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Um, in Frontier especially, like we want to be interacting at instant speed because so many so many of the powerful decks operate at instant speed. You've got mm-hmm. Collected Company, you've got Torrential Gear Hulk, um, and Spell Queller and things of that nature that are all happening at instant speed. And so the stack wars end up getting pretty serious. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so instant speed's really big and white can get blown out if it doesn't efficiently use its mana every turn or if you're not pairing with another color that allows you to play it at instant speed so yep i think that's right i think that um if i were to give a something that i think white will look for in the future white that needs to improve is some way at instant speed to kill a smuggler's copter before it can attack that would Mm -hmm. be what white's wish list is right now (laughs) and it's only a matter of time you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, cards will continue to be printed. It's, I mean, that would be a strong card in standard. It would be maybe even a strong card in modern. I don't know exactly what that card looks like, but right. that's what I'm hoping to see for white in the future. I mean, we've gotten Valorous stances before, you know? Yeah, well, Valorous stance was definitely good in standard. It sees a little bit of frontier play. I mean, it can hit the cat combo, but it does not It does miss on a lot of other important cards you'd want to remove. I think it's it. a sideboard card, most certainly. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I think it's only a matter of time. I don't think we'll ever see another Swords to Plowshares. I don't think we'll ever see another Path to Exile. But, yeah, uh, not quite. I definitely think that Wizards wouldn't be too shy to give White a, another removal spell at two mana. And especially lately, they have said that they are... Mark Rosewater has said that Wizards is gearing more towards creating answers for threats... Mm-hmm. as opposed to threat density. Um, so we got cards like Sorceress, Spyglass, and um, the Scavenging Dinosaur, what's it called? Oh yeah, um, Deathcord Scavenger. Deathcord Scavenger, yeah. And both of those have seen play, and yeah, so I, uh, I definitely have hope that White will get some instant speed removal, and... Mm-hmm there's so much removal that's rotating out of standard so quickly that it's just like it's almost an inevitability you know what i mean yeah yeah so even if it doesn't end up being a fatal push something like an abrade in white yes absolutely that's more what i'm getting at yeah absolutely so um you wanted to to talk about weaknesses as well do you want to go on to another one of white's weaknesses no i think let's bounce back to another strength because it sounds like you had still a number a number yeah for sure uh, so more so than any other color, white excels at indestructibility. Hmm. So at getting rid of it or possessing at creating it. it. Yeah. Okay. Having indestructible things. So, like one of the amazing things about Gideon, ally of Zendikar, is that as he's attacking, he is indestructible, and that goes across all Gideons. You know is that he does the Gideon thing where he becomes either like a 4-4 or a 5-5 indestructible attacker. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, And then throughout recent modern magic, we have all of these... It used to be that white was really good at protection from colors, and that has recently become 
indestructible just because Wizards feels that it's not very um, beginner friendly. Yeah. Okay. Because you have to have like this little like reminder chart that it's like, all right, what does protection from blue mean? Well, can't be targeted, can't be blocked, can't be dealt damage. <laughs> like, you know, like, so it's like just making it indestructible is a little bit more of a blanket effect. And so we have a lot of like one mana instants that will make target creature indestructible. Um, we have a lot of things in white that give your creatures indestructible until the end of the turn. Um, so I'd say that's definitely something that White's really good at. Okay. Um, it's one of the two best colors at creating flying creatures. Hmm. The yeah, other certainly. one being blue. So. Yeah, blue is usually the flying. So what what kind of flying creatures are you thinking of? Are you thinking mostly the spirits? Spirits are the big one in Frontier right now. Um, so selfless spirit would be like the iconic like two mana flyer in White. Um, yeah. And typically, uh, it's going to be really, really difficult to have a one-mana flyer, although blue typically does have them. And, uh, yeah, so Selfless Spirit is is the one that I think of, and, of course, Hushwing Griff, once again. Um, and the Yeah, the only white 1-1 one, one I can think of, there's the vampire that can tap to give it another... To give it an attacking vampire plus one plus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually. If we got somewhere, them. yeah, I was gonna say if we got somewhere with an actual vampire themed deck rather than a humans deck, I could see that with um, always watching. It'd be able to pump itself, similar to how the uh, is the one human that does that. Um. The the human that pumps. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Let me think which name that is. I still run that in my uh, mono white humans, but I'm playing a pretty aggressive version. Hmm. Um, it can tap to give up an attacking creature plus one plus one. I feel like I played that in a recent uh, Iconic Masters hmm. draft. I feel like we're going to end up cutting this so we can't <laughs> think yeah. of what this is in a second here. Anyhow, so yeah. Um, well, hire, wait. Um, I should have in a second here. We can loop back into us being, oh yeah, we remember what that is. Um, oh, Anointer of... Ch- Oh, the card was Anointer of Champions. That's the one I was thinking of. Anointer of Champions. That's right. Yeah, yeah that guy <laughs> who taps to give someone plus one, plus one. Yeah. Um, uh, cool card. But, yeah. Yeah, so getting back to it, I think that... I, I mean, it's not just that I think white is one of the two best colors at creating flying creatures. Um, mm-hmm. And blue-white flyers is a classic archetype in magic. So... Um, and then, is there anything you think that Blue White Flyers is missing right now? I think that it's hard to say in Frontier. Hmm. But I think that providing the the alternate front of attack isn't as good as what you can be doing on the ground right now in Frontier. Okay. So I think it's missing some some butts. I think we need hmm. a little bit of defense in our flyers. So I could see that. I also see if you're just trying to, if you have to be the aggro deck, you're you know you're against something like a real control deck, which we mm-hmm. have in Frontier. You're not going to be able to beat them down and deal twenty damage before they stabilize. Whereas a an aggressive deck that's dropping two ones or dropping creatures that pump, that will be able to do it. So it, mm-hmm. it's good against the creature decks, but if you're not against those non-creature decks, it, you kind of lose out on card value. Yeah, I can agree to that as well. All right. Hmm. 
So my last strength of white is blind obedience effects. So for those who are unfamiliar with blind obedience, it is a one and a white for a, an enchantment that says uh, artifacts and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. And while we don't have blind obedience, the card in, um, in Frontier, we have a lot of things that emulate it, specifically targeting creatures. So Authority of the Consoles is one that comes to mind where you gain a life for every creature that enters the battlefield under your opponent's control and they enter tapped. Mm-hmm. And also Thalia Heretic Cathara, as we already mentioned. Yeah, those two together, really. Yeah, um, those are the ones that come to mind for me. Can you think of any others? I'm trying to remember if there there was a human for three mana that just did it to creatures. I don't remember if that's M15 or M14. I feel like I... Let's see, Google Foo, what they... Uh, <laughs> imposing Sovereign was M14. Okay. M14, okay. Yeah, <laughs> cool. So those are the two in Frontier. And yeah, so that oh, that uh, Kinjali's Sunwing though. Sorry. Yes, yeah, Kinjali's Sunwing in the air. Hey, and that has a butt. Maybe, yeah, and it's a flyer. <laughs> yeah, so maybe we could, and it's monocolor, so we could try that in blue white flyers. That actually might be decent with like favor okay. favorable winds and stuff. Anyway, um, so that's what I wanted to talk about in terms of white strengths. Oh, I had one more. One more. No, one go more. for it. Go for it. Sun Titan effects. So specifically, mm. white style recursion, which brings permanents back to the battlefield. So, so you're saying you want to talk about my Emiria Shepherd deck? <sighs> yeah, let's talk about it. Actually, no, we talk enough about humans and about Renegade Rallyer and things. So yeah, let's talk about your Emiria Shepherd deck. Go ahead, Finkel. You can have this one. Oh, well, you know, you just put the Overwhelming Splendor into the graveyard, and then you bring it back with Emiria Shepherd as your 8-drop. Mm-hmm. And you use the fetches. Come on, I mean, that's great. Yeah, it Speaks awesome. for itself. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Who doesn't get that? Yeah. So which other Sun Titan effects were you talking about? Just the Renegade Rallyer, or do you have some other in mind? There is the Bishop of Rebirth that got printed recently. They can get a creature with Converted Mana cost 3 or less to back to the battlefield. Okay. When it attacks, I think is the trigger. Yeah, that's a little bit worse. But yeah, um, when it enters what the battlefield, about... or... yeah. And then would you count in that same category things like rally? Yeah, absolutely. Rally's definitely like the tier one way to do it, right? Um, yeah. Rally the ancestors says for X and white white, you can bring any number of creatures with converted mana cost is X or less. Uh, yeah, you're right on. They they don't get haste. They come in untapped. They yeah. exile at the beginning of your next upkeep if you haven't gotten rid of them by then, and it exiles itself. Yep. Yeah. So And it, there's a little bit more like that. Sorry, I keep, I'm cutting you off here, but there's, you know, Return to the Ranks sees a little bit of play. There's the Dusk to Dawn sees a little ooh, bit of yeah, play. Yeah, Dusk to Dawn. Uh, oh, I missed another yeah, that, one. Yeah. Another another advantage there. Let's talk about sweepers. Yeah, let's talk about board wipes. <laughs> we like alluded to it a little bit, but yeah. So white has a plethora of them in Frontier. Yeah, really, some of the best ones, I think. Absolutely, I think it's the reason why you splash white into blue black control list, unless you're um, playing Approach of the Second Sun. And <laughs> but. Uh, 
Yeah, so Fumigate is amazing. And yeah, it really is. That's probably the best sweeper, the best five drop sweeper around. Um, there's some other five drop sweepers for white that don't really see play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Um, that's the one that comes to mind for me. Do you do you want to talk about the other ones or? Uh, Settle the wreckage is probably the other one that deserves a mention. Yeah, Settle the wreckage is worth a mention. Dusk to dawn is great in white weenie, and um. I've seen the uh, Descend Upon the Sinful in Marvel lists, maybe. Yeah. And there's also the recent Hour of Revelation. What do you think of that one? You know, I haven't seen it be played. I just don't see it as that great of a card. It's, it, really it's never really going to gonna get that uh, that cheapen effect. <laughs> yeah, I think that's more of an EDH card. And I know I say that about a yeah. lot of cards, but I think that meeting its conditions to make it really, really powerful, which is to be like a three casting cost, destroy everything, mm-hmm. are easier to meet in a multiplayer game. So so while we're kind of talking about the high end of white decks, kind of the controlling white decks, something that maybe it's not a weakness, but something that I'm missing that I'd like to see in white in Frontier a little bit that we don't have right now is something like Elspeth Sun's Champion. Yeah. I totally We don't agree. have like a high-end white card that kind of just takes over the game. I mean, maybe you could argue Approach to the Second Sun, but I don't or think Gideon. that that, play, that doesn't play to the board. Yeah, Gideon, you know, he's still a little bit of that mid-range. He's still a little bit of that um, not quite really a control deck. He's not going to earn a control yeah. card. He, he doesn't just, you know, if we get to six mana, it'll stop the whole board. The opponent has to have an answer beforehand. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, Elspeth back in the day, totally backbreaking. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that. I as I, as I said, um, I would also really like to see some flyers with butts. And yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that oh, efficient instant speed removal was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some kind of top end like that. I'd also like to see some of the lower-end strategies that aren't humans have some of that synergy that they need. I mean, Mm -hmm. the fact that always watching kind of limits us because we're specifically looking for non-tokens, and then the Thalia's lieutenant specifically limits us looking for just humans. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you want some generically good anthems, is what you're saying? Yeah, some generically good anthems would be nice. So something like the Adanto Vanguard is a card I really like, but it doesn't quite see play because it's not a human, or the Legion's Landing doesn't see play because it's it's a non-token. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All all well said, for sure. Um, I also really like Adanto Vanguard. I have cast many an Adanto Vanguard in Ixalan Draft, uh, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Ixalan Draft. Um, and it also sees play in the mono white vampires list in standard, which mm-hmm. you know people are always doing their best to convert standard lists into frontier. And we definitely also have the entire range of um, shadows over Innistrad block vampires. Vampires, yeah. So, so that, that's the thing is that we've got a lot of those token makers that aren't really being utilized right now in white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, I I would love to see some more anthems, and Wizards has shown that they're not shy about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the fear about having a generic anthem is that it will take a deck that's already really, really good way over the top. 
Um, sure. Well, maybe so. they could just maybe have more options of them. So something like an Intangible Virtue, which would be, you wouldn't play it in the same deck as Always Watching, but it would open up a lot more options. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, so you're looking for more of just like end of turn until end of turn kind of stuff? Or no, do... I'm just kind of looking for more permanent stuff, but I mean, yeah. I liked I liked the um the countervailing winds. Is it? I mean, that's not in white, but I, I like that they're printing some more kind of specific anthems that will let us see more than just the current decks that are being played. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So, all right, cool. Yeah, I would really like to see a vampire anthem. I think that would be really neat. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, I I would love to see vampires get pushed. Or really any of the new tribes get pushed into Frontier. Because so far we haven't seen a lot of impact from them. Alright, I guess I have one last one is something that White has a bit of the framework in for Frontier, but there's not really any payoff, is equipment. Oh god. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, so classically like White has always been one of the, like, if not the best equipment color. So, Stoneforge Mystic is like the classic, like, hey, you can go, this comes into the battlefield, you can go get any equipment, probably a sort of Feast and Famine or a fire, Sword of War and Peace, bring mm-hmm. it. Or a, uh, or the, um, no, I mean, the traditional one is... Batterskull. Uh, yeah, Batterskull. Batterskull's the nice one. Um, and, you know, put that into your hand and then you can bring it into the battlefield, you can put it onto the battlefield at flash speed which is always, it's a nice little hey, control deck. Uh, I'm not casting this. I'm just putting. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, we, we don't really have... First off, we haven't had great equipments in Frontier. I think the best one we have is probably Ghost Fireblade. Yeah, there's Ghost Fireblade that... Yeah, there hasn't been great equipment. I mean, they kind of went a whole block with vehicles, which sort of filled that spot instead. Yeah. And if we had had some equipment that was as pushed as vehicles were, then oh man. Yeah, right? Yeah, because, I mean, Mirrodin was like the last, like, oh my god equipment block, and uh, yeah. yeah, those equipments were pretty crazy, so yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we've so... got like Stoneforge Acolyte, we've got Relic Seeker, we've got some ways to look for equipment, and nothing really to do with them yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. So... There is one that got leaked today. Do you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, that pirate still... hook. We, as far as I know, we don't have a mana cost on it, which matters quite a bit for the equipment. It does. So, what do you think the threshold is for that equipment being playable? I don't think it'll see play if it's three mana to play. I don't think it will either. I think it has to be two or less. Yeah. Do did did you see that it it has one? I only saw the equip cost. No. So the basically, so everyone's caught up. It's called Captain's Hook. And it is a equipment that has an equip cost of one, which is very, very good. Um, and it gives the equipped creature plus two, plus zero, and menace. And then... Um, and makes them a pirate. And makes them a pirate. Yar. <laughs> and when it's removed from the creature, it, that it, you destroy that creature. Which is great for pirates, especially in limited, because threaten effects or something that's really um, part Mm. of the pirate strategy and so it gives you an incentive to run your mark of mutiny and things of that nature so 
That's interesting. That could be tricky if you're, you know, it's it's on a creature right now. You don't want to sacrifice that in order to put it on their creature to then move it back to another creature. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. So, like, the the scenario, like, the pie-in-the-sky scenario, and I think people are probably going to try this in Frontier just because we do have quite a few threaten effects. Um, basically, for anyone who doesn't know what a threaten effect is, it's gain control of target creature until end of turn. It gains haste and untap it. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, I think that people are going to try this in Frontier regardless of what its converted mana cost is just because of how many threatened effects we have. But in order for it to really be a viable aggressive strategy and be a useful equipment, it's got to be two or less. And and I completely agree. I mean, when you think of Bone Splitter, that was was one mana for plus two, plus oh. This gives Menace and some utility, also has a drawback. You don't yeah. think we can sneak it in at two mana? I think it would be very fun at two mana. At three mana, it's just going to be... Useless. It'll be fringe, it'll be limited. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be any good. So let's talk a little bit about sideboard cards, because that's such an important part of white. I would say that white is the most powerful sideboard color. I, I would agree with that. I think we've said that in previous episodes, and we've touched a little bit about some of the sideboard options. Yeah, so the the thing that comes up the most when you're at least for me when I'm sideboarding is whether I'm on the draw or the play and in that regard whether I am the beatdown or whether I'm whether I am the control right okay that's yeah white is amazing at shifting more into either of those hmm. so how would you shift more into the control as a white deck that's I'm kind of picking out the hard answer here right away but right away yeah it's board wipes yeah. and planeswalkers okay. so like, if you're going to be on the draw, might as well put an indestructible 5-5 onto the battlefield every turn, right? That makes a 2-2 every turn, yep. Yeah, either makes it a 2-2 or it becomes an indestructible 5-5 that attacks every turn. So, um, And then, yeah, so Fumigate's amazing. Um, and then we already talked about Hushwing Griff. Basically what Hushwing Griff does is it stifles any enter the battlefield triggers so um as long as it's in play and it has flash so it can be in play anytime you have the mana open uh so why don't you think hushwing griff is seeing more play right now i mean there's so many decks that it hits it stops cat combo it stops some of what abzan does it stops all of what rally does it stops, it stops all of what bant humans does which is on a tear right now uh-huh absolutely um yeah it's interesting. Uh, I think that it dies to a lot of stuff. Hmm. So okay. it dies to shock effects, which can be pretty incidental. It dies to um, Kozilek's Return, which is really hmm. big for Marvel decks and really big for Jund right now. And it dies to all of our Doom Blades. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I. I definitely think that that's a weakness of Hushwing Griff. I think that Hushwing Griff comes and goes in metagames where um, a particular deck that relies on uh, that relies on Enter the Battlefield triggers, like Sahili, um, is the t- is not just a tier one deck, but the tier zero deck, and it's dominating. Okay, I, I, mine's kind of anecdotal, but I kind of have a different answer in that. With when I'm playing a, white, a deck that wants like a white three drop, I also want to be playing Reflector Mage and yes, Spellqueller, and it, it's yeah. so hard to find a niche in white 
colors that you don't want to have your own enter the battlefield effects. I mean, even like Thraben mm-hmm. Inspector, they're all so yep. many good enter the battlefield effects in white already. Yeah, most definitely. And if you're the control strategy, it turns off your own gear hulks. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't really want that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that Enter the Battlefield triggers are one of the most powerful things in Frontier, period. And if you're turning off your own, then you're limiting yourself in how proactive you can be. So, Alright, so the next white thing that you already touched on is those effects that have things enter tapped. So it shuts down haste, it shuts down cat combo. And mm-hmm. when I'm thinking of sideboarding, you know, if it's good against Mono Red, it's good against Sahili. At oh, a yeah. time, those were the two tier one decks. Like that that's a yeah. really good time to be in white. So all of those Thalias, all of those authority of the consoles. Yep. And I kind of fit the Archangel of Tithes in that same category as being yeah, yeah. both of those. Most definitely. The closest thing that we have to ghostly prison in the uh yep. in the format. Um, I would also say, as we're on the subject of what's good against red, white is absolutely so great. The best at life gain. Um, mm. And, man, there's there's nothing quite as good as, you know, dropping an Arashian Cleric and blanking one of your burn opponent's spells in their hand. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's good to be king. Now, how about you saying, uh, going more aggressive with a white deck, what would you do in a sideboard to kind of do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I would, in the event that I need to be more aggressive in white, I would bring in, for example, like more flyers. Um, You could, if you have, let's say, like, I'm trying to think here. So oftentimes I will have, like, extra one drops in my sideboard such as Kithion that I bring back in during uh, like like if I'm on the play I'll bring okay. back in my aggressive like Kithions and my Glorybound Initiates that I boarded out for my Gideons and my board wipes hmm. so that would be an example of something I would do there okay that makes sense Yeah. so the I don't know if you have any more I, one more that I really want to talk about with sideboard maybe as a weakness in white yeah is what do you bring in against kind of the combo decks? So ones where you need to hit specific cards. That That's in some places where white compared to maybe blue and black as control colors, there's definitely some weakness. I disagree. Okay, I mean, there's so what some are, argument. What are the I, I think I have... What are the combos so right now? If it's something like about? Rally or okay, Marvel or... Or Marvel, okay. I mean, I'm ignoring cat. It certainly has answers to cat combo, but yes. I think that some of those things, like or um, approach as well, maybe. And Jeskai ascendancy. Jeskai ascendancy, sure. So you you don't have the negates, you don't have the duresses that a okay, yep, blue yep. or a black deck would have. Sure, but I would contest that you have removal for their marvel. Okay. And I would contest that you have removal for their enchantment. That's true. I would also add on to that that you have ways to exile their large creatures. Also that. If it's yep. something like Marvel looking for an Ulamog, if you're a red or a green deck, you don't have any answers in that. So there's kind of a hierarchy. I think that white's kind of in the middle of answers to combo. Blue mm-hmm. and black would be higher, and then green and red would be lower. Yeah, absolutely. Blue definitely has like great ways to interact with um, combo and that it can stop your your turn where you're storming off essentially yeah um yeah so 
it essentially you have to be more proactive in how you interact with combo in white um, because a lot of your stuff's going to be sorcery speed. The exception mm -hmm. to this, of course, is like uh, when your opponent casts their Emrakul and you can cast it out on the same turn. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So All right. So like, last yeah. thoughts on white as a color in a whole as a whole here. Um, I would say that it's probably. It's one of the stronger colors in Frontier. Right? Yeah, I think so too. I think that it's... Uh, do you think it's great on its own, or do you think it's great has to be with other colors? Oh, I mean, White Weenie's Tier 1. Yeah, I, I, that is a very good white, a mono-white deck, and I think there's other decks that are primarily white with a little bit of other. Yeah, absolutely. So Bant Humans is primarily white with some splashes. Mm -hmm. Like A lot of the, um, the vehicles decks end up being white-focused. Yeah, absolutely. So vehicles is going to be white black usually with a splash. Um, yeah. So I I think yeah. There's so many great reasons to run white. It's great to splash. It's great to uh, run as your primary color. So yeah, I think it. I I don't know if we're ranking, but I would definitely put white in my top two. So okay. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. We did want to mention that there was a nice. Uh, there was a decent sized tournament in Japan this last weekend. I yeah. think we only have time that I'm just going to name what the top eight deck names were. We had an Aetherworks Marvel, an Esper Control, two Esper Control, blue, two Esper Control, yes, a blue black red aggro, a mono red aggro, two mono red aggro, uh, an Atarka red aggro, and an Insol aggro. So a lot of what we've been seeing: hard control decks and very aggressive red decks, and then an Aetherworks Marvel deck out of nowhere. We also want to bring up that white black red aggro was uh, a friend of ours, actually, um, Ryan Schwenk, who plays... Ryan Schwenke. Yeah, we were talking Schwenke, about yes. him earlier. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he plays in the Untap Open League, where we, he's on our Discord, communicating with him quite a bit. We're uh, happy to see him placing third place in this uh, Major Haruyuga tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations, Ryan. Really proud of you. Thanks for taking Untap home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, let's mention new weekly things. We've got our weekly live stream. We have have been doing them Tuesday, that time has been okay so far, but we are looking at relocating that. We will update you if there's any kind of change on that. There is We're a change, be... actually. I'm oh, there, there's a formal change? Yeah. All right, great. Formally, formally, we are changing our time to noon, um, sorry, noon Eastern on Saturdays for the time being. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. that was coming. I wasn't sure if we had that officially yet. All right, so yep, that's... that's official that's in um we're gonna be off next week we're gonna be doing kind of every other we'll be playing around the holidays a little bit so that's what we're planning right now um we also we've already mentioned that the x mage league has been starting up but please come to our reddit come to our discord you can find out some information if you're interested in signing up for that and the uol has been uh going strong so as always we want to talk about how that's getting closer to where we'll have some top eights <clears throat> that's about it i know there's a lot we'll probably be able to talk about by the time we have our next cast but if you guys have any ideas please feel free to reach out to us we're as always <clears throat> at mgd frontier on twitter mtg underscore frontier on instagram reddit.com slash r slash mtg final frontier and we have a discord that you can find there um as well as there is a frontier discord which has been quite active lately I also want to take this moment to talk about how um, signups are open for the X-Mage League, just to remind everyone, and mm -hmm. we'll have a link to those in the summary of our show. All right, thank you guys. This has been a fun one. Uh, we'll be talking about the other colors when we get a chance soon. Have a good night, everyone. Yep, yeah, and as always, for everyone out there, we look forward to being your go-to source for Frontier information online. Your Final Frontier signing off. <laughs>